I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Yep, yep, yep. Well, we're a day late and a dollar short. It's the house of the sick. Nick and I are both sick. Well. Well, well, you can hear it in my voice for sure, and you'll hear Nick coughing in a minute, but you were sick first. Now he says that. (laughs) You were sick first. Yep. So you've recovered uh, more quickly. Uh, and then of course I became sick, like what, three days after two days, two days. Um, and I'm a lot more vulnerable to illness. (laughs) Yes. Uh, well, it comes from you not being willing to be uncomfortable. Well, and yeah. And and my body, this rickety body. (laughs) I've had like the most terrible headache. That finally started to subside like two hours ago, which is why we even are recording this. We did we did a home exorcism. (laughs) Watched we watched uh, old Jane Fonda workout tapes. But I had a lot I wanted to talk about, and my and in the brain fog, just like Balenciaga. That's the only thing I remembered. Oh, Uh, so. Were, were you being funny because you saw me pull up Balenciaga? No, I've been reading about that because you know my gal, Isabel. <laughs> so the one thing I remembered I wanted to talk about was the controversy around that recent Balenciaga ad. Have you seen the imagery? Yes. And I think people need more to worry about. And or just don't. People are weird about children. So I don't know why you'd even want these no-name little these little no-neck monsters in this ad anyway, but here they are with some vaguely S&M type looking teddy bears and shit. Who cares? It was, it's just not good taste. The other thing, well, I agree because looking at the photos, uh, because the people were upset that children were being sexualized, but the children the ads I saw, one child is on a bed and another child is on a couch. But the bed scene is very like brightly lit with like a pink bed, pretty innocuous. And for the couch scene, same thing, like very brightly lit room. And the children are wearing like head to ankle. <laughs> they're very fully covered. The one kid has shorts on, but they're not scantily clad. And they're holding these new Balenciaga backpacks that are shaped like teddy bears, but they have like harnesses, um, like leather gear. And I feel like when I first heard about it, people were acting like they have these children in BDSM. Oh, we we have gone past the point of puritanical bullshit conservatism here. But I don't think it's BDSM. These teddy bears are wearing harnesses, but it's like these little kids don't know what that is. It's not. It's They don't have... uh... And a lot of things, I mean, like a choker and like the studded whatever necklace. And what would a child know about that being sexual? Because, I mean, their little dog at home probably has... It's not like there's a cardboard cutout of some naked, fulsome street man... (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i was just, expecting the imagery to be very sexual uh and just like blatantly inappropriate it's just it, we just uh, and then these celebrities even you know kim kardashian and her reevaluation of her uh 
contract or whatever she has going on with them. Shut the fuck up. Who cares? And everybody that wants to make a standby, who's that stupid woman that put a bunch of Balenciaga bags in a see-through plastic bag? So of course, somebody would take a picture of her throwing it away. Go give those to some homeless person then. Yeah. I mean, children's safety is very important and sexualizing children is not appropriate it's, it's, but i I'm don't not think Im- that this seems like that implying that people are being ridiculous is not uh I, i'm not saying that children's safety isn't important it's just ugh. yeah i just when i look at these i don't think you know the first thing i thought when i saw that pictures was how much are those teddy bear backpacks well, <laughs> that was the first thing i thought and then i thought do i think these are well done ads no no not at all like that's probably the second thing i thought was these just aren't very clever or like appealing i don't know if maybe people are upset that these bags are being marketed to children but it's like i mean to children with rich parents maybe i mean these bags can't cost yeah uh, uh, some of these people that most of these people that seem to be upset about it i don't know if they'd really uh, afford this merchandise anyway uh but of course i there's a nice little article in gawker about how isabelle Huppert, something about you know who still looks good in balenciaga isabelle Huppert, and uh has not 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 that silence means she's okay with it it's just that she's above having to fucking say anything about this shit and so is well, Nicole also Kidman. she didn't green light that you know these people Kim Kardashian, I believe, is like a brand ambassador beyond maybe like Isabel being like a paid spoke, you know, like sure. she's being paid to be in these ads. But it's like, what does she know? They they don't message her to say, hey, girl, what do you, do you think about this? Do you know, Kim Kardashian probably looked at that one photo where, where everybody's upset about there's a reference to the court case about... Uh, pedophilia or whatever. Kim Kardashian doesn't know that court case. She wouldn't know that. Like, just so stupid. Anyhow, that's all I had. <laughs> oh. Yeah. My, but it's probably best. My brain is fried. So we can move on to films that were released we didn't cover. Oh, okay. Something called Second Chance. Something called Second Ramin Barani has uh, released a documentary this past weekend uh, that's chronicling the life of Richard Davis, who is the man who invented the concealable bulletproof oh, vest. Yes. He shot himself 196 times in the course of his career to prove the effectiveness effectiveness of his vest uh and i you know thank you to this man i suppose we should uh well apparently the con like the 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 documentary is not really about that it's oh, about well i haven't seen it so yeah he's not a good guy like, oh he's not no he um he just shot himself a whole bunch of time well because he was really pushing for like the use of guns and i i i know there's more to the story than just like oh the, sure yeah of course the guy but, who invented the bulletproof vest. but now that we since we have to live with guns since apparently we will never be in a country in the united states without them uh something uh to protect some i was of us. kind of interested in watching it but i'd be i didn't die Oh like, God! the cat the cat is upset that we're not paying attention to her oh. uh i do like ramin uh, Barani's films for the most part. Uh, Next, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules. Yep, another one of those is out. Next, Framing Agnes. We actually watched this out of the Sundance Film Festival this past year, and I think both of us were a bit disappointed in it. Oh, it's about trans story. So the first thing that bothered me is the documentarians f- got access to like psychiatrist files. Mm hmm. 
that already kind of bothered me. Like people's medical records should be private. Well, they are tasteful in the. Yeah, but I think that's weird. Like we got a hold of people's medical records, so we're going to tell their story. I don't know. Well, it's that threw me off initially, and then how they're doing it is they're taking notable trans people. So I know there was like. Well, they're previously unknown. They they weren't. Oh, you mean notable people acting in them? Yeah. So what they're doing is taking notable trans people and having them reenact the stories of these people whose medical records were found from the so, U- from, and from the US UCLA gender clinic from the fifties. Yes. So when I, I was already kind of sour about it when I heard the premise and then I was watching it with you several months ago, but then on top of all that, I didn't think it was very well done. <laughs> I think that's where it it's kind of crunchy. Up. It, it just feels a little, uh, again, it's an interesting idea. And I, I do think, you know, the, these medical records of these people, I don't know what releases they received, but uh, presumably if, if they're dead, I, I don't know what, what can we learn about this time and these people, because there's a significant erasure that trans people even existed for so long. So I understand the, I don't know. I think patient confidentiality should be like in perpetuity, like it's perpetuity. Not just like, oh, when you're dead, because it's like, what business is it of anyone? I, you think that people should have access to all your medical records? What do all... I? What am I? Can't care if I'm dead. Okay, but that attitude is your own personal thing. I don't think. I think most people would not want. Like the day you die, we get to dig into your therapy sessions and all your medical stuff and learn every little detail about you just because you're dead now. I don't think that's appropriate at all. There's a reason why people don't have access to that shit when you're alive. Like I just don't know. <laughs> and then especially if you're a celebrity right? I'm a nobody. So who's going to care about my shit when I die? But if you're, you know, cause then imagine, oh my God, just imagine the kind of look what they do to fucking Marilyn Monroe. Well, like <laughs> and we didn't know all her stuff. Imagine if we had access to her medical records, the kind of shit they would make about her and all these other people, but I'm getting way out of control about it. The, my biggest issue with framing Agnes was the produ- the, the production quality of it was kind of crunchy. I think that I, I understand your argument uh, about that, but I also think that it's stopped us uh, in many ways from learning, like like the reason we didn't weren't able to pick apart Jeffrey Dahmer's brain, you know, that there are things worth learning that we probably need to know as a human species that we would... It would... Yeah, but there are many people who would volunteer information. You don't need to, like, rip it from like, someone's like dead Like donors? Hand. Like donors, many, many people elect to donate their organs. Well, then we have to have some kind of more organized process about that then. So, well, you know, I agree then, but I I definitely don't think that just like when a person dies, but again, like you already alluded to three minutes ago, we don't know what kind of releases these people got. I don't recall them saying that they had been given approval by these people or these people's families to use these records. They just said that these were records from some um, clinic that is no longer operational, but moving on for samosas. Uh, again, if we had more time and weren't struck down by illness, this might've been something we reviewed this week, directed by Ravi Kapoor. Uh, it's about a South Asian American rapper uh, who along with his friends plans a heist on a grocery store that's owned by his ex-girlfriend's father. Uh, I guess. Yeah. It looked entertaining. Hunt. 
uh, one of the stars of Squid Game, Lee Jung-jae, has uh, made a directorial debut called Hunt. Uh, it's about a, it's a spy movie based in the 80s. Lastly, something called Senior. Something called Senior. The You know about this, the documentary about Robert Downey Sr., Oh, I had no interest in this. I know you didn't. I would watch this. Because I find him obnoxious. I can only imagine how obnoxious his dad was. But his dad was a, a notable director of, you know, like Putney Swope and several other films I can't think of now. I know his dad was a director, but I'm saying he probably got hit from his daddy. His That, that little arrogant ass attitude of his. I like Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. but I don't know. Watching a documentary where he's a, a part of it, I'm sure. Oh, well. Ugh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I what made me less interested was seeing it was directed by Chris Smith, who's one of the um, producers on the Tiger King uh, documentary, but also is the director of Bad Vegan, Ugh. which is not good. Uh, uh, it's not good. Uh, we reviewed journalism. Bad Vegan on YouTube. Check it out. Okay, moving on to things we watched for fun. So when you got sick... Uh, like what, Thursday? Yeah, Thursday's when I hit the wall. I hit the bricks. And you know, I, I didn't know what to do because I don't cook. So I asked my mom to come over and cook some food mm-hmm. so we'd have something. Meanwhile, I, I have to, if it's uh, the reversal the, the reversal of fortune, I, I have to do all that. But Or you could ask my mom to do it. No. Oh, well, then. I am capable. So then don't you can't use that if you refuse to have access to it. Well, Okay. You're just you're just difficult. But anyway, while she was cooking, we watched the Netflix um, miniseries Killer Sally, which is about a female bodybuilder who is in a relationship with like this male bodybuilder, and she ended up shooting and killing him. Uh, and so that aspect of it was very clear, like that she shot and killed him. But it's quite interesting to see how. You know, sort of like how the, you know, when they when they took her in for questioning, she didn't ask for a lawyer so until it was too late. So she had divulged a lot of information. But also back then in the 80s, like, or I'm sorry, this was in the 90s when this happened. Um, just how people viewed domestic violence and like, you know, seemingly her not getting a fair court trial and. She was ultimately released last year, I believe. So then we see her try to reconnect with her children. But it was just very interesting hearing the, ugh, the main prosecutor on her case is in the documentary and he seems vile. Like, I I, I just don't understand how public officials act like, like they want to have celebrity and their actions are really like, they want to showcase their talent. Like, I win every case and he was just vile and he looked terrible but him talking about her because she was a big woman like like very strong and muscular so it's very easy like jan stevens Stevens. oh we need to talk about um sorry i interrupted you go no she's very muscular very beautiful but her man was like six foot four, this huge, very muscular bodybuilder who they were both on steroids. But, you know, to the jury, she doesn't look like she'd be easily intimidated. And then she had a very interesting background because she was she was being paid to like like men would hire her like as an escort, but they wanted her to wrestle them. Um but those same men 
paid for her bail. So, oh, so the bodybuilding community turned its back on her. Oh yes, because we can't have a scandal. Right. But the whatever you call those men who pay strong women to wrestle them and kind of like dehumanize them, uh, they were Johns. They were in support of her. Okay. So they are the one, like a key group of those guys got together and raised and put the money together to get her out on bail. Um, she obviously did not win her the trial and spent a lot of time in prison, but I would recommend it. Okay. Um, it was very interesting. Okay. You watched the good house. Yeah. That was right Again. before I, <laughs> for a fourth time, but oh, I showed it to my, um, parents and sister who hadn't seen it and they thoroughly enjoyed it thoroughly this is my life uh on the plane back from minnesota i watched another Nora efron film uh which i'd never heard of called this is my life uh starring julie kavner headlining uh who you know is the voice of marge simpson oh Uh, but as her young daughter it's about a woman who becomes a comedy sensation overnight and how her kind of teen and preteen daughter are trying to deal with it played by samantha mathis and gabby hoffman and boy samantha samantha mathis this is what what 92 just a year later i remember her vividly on the cover on the poster for that bogdanovich film the thing called love all looking all grown up uh it's okay it has a lot of strange issues carrie fisher is a nice highlight in the uh supporting cast uh, and then Julie Kavner has this romance with her agent played by Dan Aykroyd, who looks terrible oh. and has a thing about eating napkins, which I thought was so stupid. But this was a lesser. Uh, There's effort. an episode on my strange addiction about someone who eats napkins. I'm sure there is. <laughs> and it was so annoying to watch. But uh, it, yeah, it was a sweet ish film, but I didn't love it. Real women have curves. You know, I'd never seen this. Uh, and I watched that on the plane coming back. And I have to say, uh, America, uh, America Ferrera was quite good. Uh, and it was interesting, you know, now living in L.A. so long because it was shot in Boyle Heights, oh. uh, recognizing so many of the things around there. But uh, sure. I, I would recommend that if you've never seen it. The Chronicles of Melanie. Uh, I had I just interviewed uh, Latvian director Vistas Kairis for his new film, January, which I also, which is Latvia's uh, official submission for best foreign language films i he's directed quite a few things so i went back and watched a 2016 film he did called chronicles of melanie it's very depressing uh world war ii film and but it's headlined by sabine timoteo who i've seen in quite a few things uh, including human factors recently and a film i loved out of berlin two years ago called the girl and the spider from the swiss zerker brothers Next is De Humani Corporis Fabrica. Yeah, a very bizarre documentary. I'm laughing at my shitty pronunciation. Uh, This, no, it's a difficult title. Uh, Kind of an experimental documentary, if you will, that premiered at Cannes this year. And I missed it there, missed it at AFI, uh, but for voting uh, purposes for all these guilds, I had a screener of it. A fascinating two-hour uh, exploration of like five different Parisian hospitals uh, and all these various surgeries that are happening that are very up close and personal. And you kind of hear the uh, medical staff uh, often having very bizarre, weird conversations. But there are some 
uh, they're, they're digging out this man's prostate and the, there are moments that are hard to watch. They're also, I think, putting a catheter in this one man's penis. Uh, uh, and there's this one woman's breast that's been cut off. They're going over and looking at the tumor. It looks like a piece of big charred meat because uh, it's about our relationship to the flesh. But it's directed by Lucien Casting Taylor and Verna Paravel, who are known for documentaries like Leviathan and a very odd documentary about cannibalism called Cannibal, if you have the chance to see it, that is very uncomfortable also. Next is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. You know, I've seen that fucking The Fablemans twice, oh. and I'd never seen... <laughs> But both times I watched it, I was like, God, I've never, because his reference point is John Ford's The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. So while I was sick and sweating to death in bed while your mother cooked, I watched that uh, and was just fine with it. I remember my dad being a fan of it. I don't like John Wayne. I just don't. I don't like him. And somehow I liked him That's better. Me coughing, not Nick. And somehow I liked him better than Jimmy Stewart in this, who's just this, this lawyer that's, you know, one of those people that can do no wrong. Uh, and I also didn't love uh, Vera Miles acting in this as well. But there were moments I did like, and it is an interesting Western. I do think uh, Lee Marvin is always fun to watch as the titular terrible person, Liberty Valance, that has to be uh, conquered. It, it's worth a watch. It's definitely not my favorite John Ford film, uh, but I can see how it holds its place now. American Murderer? I think I'm going to submit a review to you for us to put up because this filmmaker oh, has been asking me for many weeks, and I told him I would uh, watch his film. I hope you liked it. I did like oh, it. Oh, good. Uh, more than I thought I would. Yes, for people... <laughs> who asked us to re- review movies, <laughs> excuse me. Um, you know, make sure we like it first. I don't know. Make sure we like, well, you know. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, would you watch, like, I wish people would say, like, would you watch the movie and let us know what you think? Yes. And then do you want to review it? <laughs> excuse me. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I mean, this this filmmaker, Matthew Gentile, I think wanted a review for Ion Cinema, but that I, it's been too long since it's been released, really. Oh. Uh, but stars Tom Pelfrey. It's based on a true story about this con man who gets it in his head that he needs to rob one of those. Um, uh, what, what do you call those people that pick up all the money at the? Oh yeah, what do you call those? Oh god, the Brinks. No. Uh, yeah, but they call it the like the, not cur- the money truck. They're couriers. Uh, Keep talking. I'm going to look it up because I should. Armored cars. Armored car yeah. service. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he just basically blows this guy away in cold blood to get fifty six thousand dollars. And Ugh. but this is after we we because the, the for like an hour and a half of the movie, I'm like, why is it called American Murder? Because it comes quite late. Uh, but he it's. It, there's a very interesting cast that also includes Adina Menzel, Paul Schneider as his brother, Moises Arias, Kevin Corgan as his doofy father, and then Jackie Weaver as his mom, who I usually find quite effective. Oh, and then the FBI agent doggedly chasing him, played by Ryan Philippi. Partners. So after we watched the film selected for today, I think I was hungry for more. Oh, 
terrible gay films. Uh, and I stumbled upon Partners, which I'd never seen. It's directed by James Burroughs, only film he's ever directed, but he's done a ton of television, including many, many episodes of Will and Grace and Cheers, among other things. But notably, it's written by Francis Weber, uh, the writer of the original La Caja Faux. And it stars Ryan O'Neill and John Hurt as a straight and gay cop that have to go undercover cover in West Hollywood as lovers to find out who's killing these gay manses. Compared to our secret film, this felt like, you know, I'm trying to think of a critically acclaimed movie and I can't. Schindler's List. Uh, but it it's... But 19, it's pretty bad. It's, it's, <laughs> it's 1982 uh, and it certainly feels of that era, but there were a lot of things I did kind of like about it. And it uh, I didn't know John Hurt wasn't gay. No, definitely not. Uh, but he, you know, he played gay several times over, notably as Quentin Crisp, uh, twice in The Naked Civil Servant. Well, I've liked him in everything I've seen him in. But he's so kind of, he looks ragged. He's like, well, 40, he, we're the same age, I think. Yeah, no, yeah, 42. No. Oh, no, he's 42. He's in the younger movie? than you in that movie. He looks like an old dry chicken wing. And then Ryan O'Neill, he looks good. Yeah. Enough for him. He's supposed to be a hunk. A Lothario. Uh, it's available. We watched it on YouTube and the quality was not great. It's available like on Amazon. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I would recommend it. It's it's interesting. Uh, again, it, it touched me by the end. Sure. But I think John Hurt is so kind of sweet in it. He's very sweet. Uh, and then in at the end, he gets shot. Spoiler. And we think he's dying or going to die. And Ryan O'Neill's telling him, like, don't die. Like, I was thinking about what you said. And, and we should live together. And, and like, we can be great for, you know, like, he's telling him, just trying to encourage him to keep going. <laughs> and then when he does live, uh, their boss tells Ryan O'Neill, like, you know, um, he's going to be okay. And he said, what really got him through is, like, all the promises you made to him. Yeah. It, it's kind of... Um... But, you know, clearly wasn't a hit, but is doing kind of what Walter Hill did with 48 Hours with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy, where, you know, to watch it now, you're kind of aghast at how they talk to each other. But well, wait till we get to our secret movie. (laughs) But 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 also realistically, how a white cop and a black cop would have would have talked to one another as equals. Or supposed equals uh, in 1982, but. Uh, I think for the era or the time period, I think it handles the subject matter as delicately as it could. I think, and it's in an era where I think if you were like Francis Weber, if you were a, a gay person that could get something off and be realistic about it and also not worrying about being politically correct either. Uh, okay. Uh, a man called Uwe? Ove. Ove. Uh, yeah, it uh, was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film in 2017, Swedish, directed by Hannes Holm. Uh, I wa- I'd never seen it, and I watched it because tonight I have to see the remake with Tom Hanks, A Man Called Otto. Um, really quickly, I watched something called Stud Lebrity, which is a documentary from 2014 about, um, <clears throat> like, these five or six gay guys who are famous for no other reason than being like attractive. And it was interesting, but I would recommend it only because it was made in 2014. So it's fun to look up these people now. Uh-huh. 
And, you know, sometimes it feels good to watch people who talk so much shit kind of not amount to anything. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting for that piece, like to, because the opening of the little documentary is giving all of their like social handles mm-hmm. so you could look them up. So now eight years later seeing, and then <laughs> it's funny, you know, yeah, people, a lot of these types of people who are just like famous for like looking good and having nice bodies, they're always naked. They all want to talk about how they have great personalities and unequivocally they don't. Like, uh-huh. so I don't understand who's telling them they have these great personalities. Lastly, I watched um, a documentary called The Last Dolphin King on Netflix. And it's about um, Jose Luis Barbero. He's a Spanish dolphin trainer. And he was a huge deal um, and ultimately got plucked to work at the uh, aquarium in Atlanta. And in 2015, a nonprofit group like Animal Protect, like for Animal Rights, uh, released a video of him abusing the dolphins. Like how? Yelling at them and hitting them. Oh, okay. TBH. Uh, I mean, dolphins are big ass animals, and he was kind of like slapping them. But I mean, they're big. It's like it's like when you hit a big dog in the ass, <laughs> and they seem to like it. Okay. It's not hurting them. I well, what was think. the t- what was the I mean, tell? he's screaming at them. Oh, okay. But but then but but then as the documentary goes on, we realize that he would scream at everybody and you know his behavior was not appropriate. So he's the auto preminger of dolphin training. But then after the scandal breaks, uh, we find out that he committed suicide. Okay. Like um, like not very long after the scandal breaks, he commits suicide, which is obviously sad. But I thought it was fascinating watching um this one person's trajectory. Uh, We need to take a quick break, though. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, now the cat is harassing us again. Uh, oh, I'm. I wanted to mention uh, the little girl from the nanny, Rose Decker. That's her. That's her actual name. <laughs> Started following us on Instagram, huh? and also the lady whose name, the one who I thought was uh, Maya Bialik, uh huh, in the movie. Spoiler alert. Uh huh. She liked our post about her <laughs> or about the movie. Spoiler alert. Her name's Tara Summers. I'm only mentioning it because I didn't tell you and I'll certainly forget. Okay. So projects of interest, something called Grand Tour. Grand Tour, a new project from Miguel Gomez, uh, who's known for the Arabian Nights trilogy, um, Portuguese. Uh, My favorite film is probably Taboo from 2012, but it's a film which will take... Uh, it will take us along the grand Asian tour of fiancés Edward and Molly in 1918, from Burma to China, in an emotional and physical journey uniting East and West, gender and sex, time and space, reality and fiction, world and cinema, uh, which sounds like, whoa, that's going to be a lot. Next, The Green Parrot. Uh, Elsa Kremser and Levin Peter directed a documentary I quite liked a couple years ago called Space Dogs out of Locarno, and they have a new project called The Green Parrot. 
Lastly, Justa. Probably Justa. Uh, oh, Justa. I'm guessing uh, Teresa Villaverde, another Portuguese filmmaker whose last film, Colo, which I saw in Berlin in 2017 in competition, which I quite liked, has a new project. All right. Unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. Uh, Al Strobel. From Twin Peaks, of Twin Peaks fame, who played Mike. He was 83. And Christine McVie. Mm-hmm. Oh, from Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Yeah, she passed away as well. There might have been somebody else I'm forgetting about. I'm sure. You know, today's rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So the selection for this week uh, was one that was recommended not too long ago, but it shot up to the top of the list after I watched the trailer. Oh, what a terrible trailer. But I knew it would be, well, I thought it would be fun. Well, uh, it was in a sense. Well, I mean, in the sense that it's something to talk about, but uh, the movie is called Please Hold. Because... You don't remember the title? <laughs> no, I just forgot it, but now here it is. Oh, God. It's the 1976 British-American comedy farce film directed by Richard Lester called The Ritz. And it's based on a play from 1975, uh, by Terrence McNally. Mm-hmm. Rita Moreno won a Tony Award for her performance in the film, but it also stars Jack, or I'm sorry, a Tony Award for her performance in the play. Mm-hmm. That was on Broadway. <laughs> but um, um, Jack, when, Jack Weston was also nominated for Golden Globe. Well, and so some people from the 1975 Broadway cast are in the film, like Jack Weston, Jerry Stiller, mm-hmm. and F. Murray Abraham. Uh, I feel like I should just read the basic um, like plot. Well, maybe the shorter version. Well, and notably, Terrence McNally wrote The Full Monty and oh. uh, Frankie and Johnny at the Claire de Lune, which became Frankie and Johnny, the film with Michelle Pfeiffer and Pacino. Oh. Uh, and Love, Valour, Compassion, I believe he oh, also wow. wrote. And it was directed by uh, Richard Lester, who I think is still alive and is uh, heterosexual. I, you know, was married to a woman forever. Uh, who's huge in the 60s. He, he directed A Hard Day's Night, the Beatles movie, and won the Palme d'Or can for The Knack or How to Get It. Oh, so the premise of the film, evading a mob contract on his life, a heterosexual man winds up hiding out at a homosexual bathhouse. So the heterosexual man is Jack Weston. Who many will should know as the owner of the Catskills venue in Dirty Dancing. So Jack Weston is married to Kay Ballard. Oh, yes. And Kay Ballard's dad is this like, super successful guy uh it's like an italian family they make it seem like they're like also the mob and but his official business is sanitation so the dad is on his deathbed and he calls in his daughter Kay ballard and his son jerry stiller and he's saying like you need to get proclo referring to jack weston And he says it a couple of times and they're like, oh, you want us to go get him? Like, you're going to give your final blessing to him? And he's like, no, you need to kill him because the dad doesn't want Jack Weston to have part of his, you know, fortune. So Jerry Stiller 
is trying to kill Jack Weston. So Jack Weston, oh, keep in mind that they all live in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. So Jack Weston makes his way to New York City and gets dropped off at a bathhouse called the Ritz. And for people who don't know what a bathhouse is, it's a venue, well, (coughs) excuse me. Back in the 70s, they were venues where gay men would go to have sex, but they were, so they're private rooms. They're a little more uh, luxurious than they are today, but, you know, they have wet areas like pools, saunas, steam rooms. And something that's notable back then that we don't have now is they would have performers. Mm-hmm. So a very famous bathhouse performer would be uh, Bette Midler. Yep. Who would sing at the baths. And if you've seen the latest American Horror Story, you have Patti LuPone doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, that's a good reference is the bathhouse in the Amer- the newest American Horror Story is is what, although the Ritz in this movie is much more luxurious. It's like oh, a yes. four-story, very ornate. So it's actually kind of cool. Okay. So Jack Weston ends up at this bathhouse trying to hide out from his brother. But... The brother, Jerry Stiller, knows he's there because Jerry Stiller's family business, they own that bathhouse. Well, he's hired somebody to stalk him. Well, no, yes, but he owns the bathhouse and he owns the cab company yes. in New York that Jack Weston took to get to the bathhouse, yes. which is unbelievable. Yes. But like you just said, he also hires a private investigator played by Treat Williams. Brick. Named Brick. Michael Brick. To be at the bathhouse to find him. Which again is so stupid. And seduce him. And seduce him because his plan, which is the most sadistic part of the storyline, is that Jerry Stiller knows that if he can catch his brother-in-law doing gay shit and take a photo of it, that he would be warranted in killing him because it would be a crime of passion. So a big chunk of the movie is just like this Looks calamity. Like that, that gay panic shit. Yeah, yes, which is was I mean, a lot of this is upsetting because it's dated. So a lot of the language that's used, it's very transphobic, very homophobic. But I understand that it's appropriate for the time period. But I think the whole gay panic angle was you know, for something that's trying to be comedic, and I don't think this movie is that funny at all. No. To, to then have this upsetting plot point is like, gosh. But anyway, a big part of the movie is just this farce with Jack Weston running around this bathhouse trying to figure out what to do. I think the best part of the film is Treat Williams being this PI who has a voice like Mickey Mouse. Yes. So nobody thinks, and he's supposedly straight, but nobody thinks he is because of how he sounds and looks. And then Rita Moreno... <laughs> Plays a character named Googie Gomez. Yeah. Who everyone thinks is either, well, they keep calling her a transvestite or a drag queen, which gets her upset. So she's like the Hulk. Anytime mm-hmm. someone implies she's not a cis woman, she goes ape shit. But so her big plot point is that she's been tricked by some coworkers, coincidentally, that on this night, because she performs at the bathhouse, that on this night, a big producer will be there. So she thinks that this is her chance to audition for Simon Cowell. So 
unfortunately, Jack Weston is the person who she gloms onto and thinking that he's the producer. And, and he's repelled by her because he thinks she's really a man. But then she he's a producer that's at a gay bathhouse. Why doesn't she know? Why wouldn't she think that he's gay? I There are so many questions I have. But everything ends with, of course, Jerry Stiller makes his way there. So does Kay Ballard. And Kay Ballard's able to get in because she pretends she's a man. But she just looks like herself, which I think is she, funny. She looks terrible. She this. does look terrible. She's the, you might know her as the coach from the original Freaky Friday. But once Jerry Stiller gets in the back, bathhouse, I mean, he's just vile. He's saying all these homophobic things. He looks terrible. And then at, and then at a point, he just starts shooting. Like yeah. for a long, like for like seven minutes, he's just running around the bathhouse shooting everyone. He doesn't kill anyone, but he's just shooting, like shooting. Uh, he forces everyone to hop into the pool. Let's get soaking wet. Dun, 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 yep. dun. Oh. <laughs> I had that Queer Spoke season soundtrack. Yeah, I like that song. Uh, but at the last minute, he and Jack Weston's character are able to kind of come to an agreement. And be, mainly because the wife, she doesn't want the embarrassment of her husband, of anyone finding out her husband. Because she's thinking... Like he's gay. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. So they make so so every so all's well that ends well, except we don't learn about Jerry Stiller's character owning the bathhouse until he, they're all walking out. Mm-hmm. And the accountant, the bookkeeper, this old lady, she goes, Hey boss. And she runs him like the daily numbers and hands him a statement. And the wife is like, WTF grabs a statement and she's like, wait, wait, wait. Our family business owns this shit and the taxi cab. <laughs> the end. Just nothing about this movie makes sense. Not a single thing. And then you have F. Murray Abraham in there. Oh, poor F. He looks terrible. Yes. So the first thing I thought when we finished it was this feels like I'm sure the person who wrote the play was gay, maybe. Yes. I'm saying I'm sure and then maybe. Uh, but Richard Lester, this feels like a straight guy directing a gay story yeah. because the casting is crazy. Only a straight guy would cast all these unattractive men <laughs> to be the leads and and then have it be like they're desirable. It's just... Well, most of them are, you know, were in the original stage production. Too. I know, but it just is like this doesn't make any sense. No. And poor Jack Weston is so hard to watch because he's the, and then the, he's being chased by somebody that's obsessed, sexually obsessed with oh him, a chubby God. chaser. Yes. So then there's a character. I oh, his I, name is Claude. I thought F Murray Abraham looked like Abel Ferrara and the driller oh. killer. The, the, the chubby chaser is being so aggressive. It's just unrelenting. And every time he sees like, a big guy. He's like, Ooh, my jelly roll. My jelly roll, man. Oh, it it was just grating. But yeah, I, I did take some notes. (laughs) This movie was hard to sit through. It was, but the, these, uh, mobster, these potentially mobster affiliated Italian family in Cleveland. uh, I I was like, I think it was like house of Gucci, Patricio Reggiani. Well, uh, why did he, they're in Cleveland, and you think, let me fly to, or I don't know how he got to New York. I'm assuming he flew. 
you hop in a cab and say, take me somewhere where no one will find me. And the person drops you off at the gay bathhouse. It's just ridiculous. Well, and, then, and, and then that your family business owns the cab and the bathhouse. Well, I, I, I'm <coughs> confused about how Kay Ballard doesn't really know what her brother's doing, even though on she heard her father say, kill her husband. It, Yes, then she's aware that there's a hit out on her brother that her or her husband that her brother is going to execute. So yeah, why is she and then she's also in New York. But then but she's in New York and the brother is te- like she knows she's in New York with her brother. Yes. And then she's she puts on a man suit and stuffs her mink coat in a bag that the chubby chaser ends up absconding with. There are two musical numbers. I think the only scene that I thought worked well and that I think in the stage production would have been fun is Googie sings a version of Everything's Coming Up Roses Mm -hmm. that I thought was entertaining. I could see this being on Broadway. Um, The Three Caballeros, uh, Andrew's sister cover is not If you watch the trailer, that the, the Three Caballeros song is what's in the trailer. And it's just like, what are we watching? This is not fun. My biggest thing is that the jokes aren't there. Nope. The the, the, the jokes are not there. These are not funny jokes. No, I, but I, do, I did think it was fascinating to watch, though, as a snapshot of uh, gay bathhouses in the actual time of their heyday and how they're trying to present it. Because there are some truths in there, like F. Murray Abraham uh, as Chris getting in the elevator and trying to hit on that one man who looks like a truck driver who says something like, I don't ride the subway for a lot of reasons. And you're one of them. Well, that was my next note. I think one of the things the film does well is the, you know, showing like these self-loathing homosexuals in a way that, you know, feels authentic. (sighs) So mentioning uh, Googie Rita Moreno's character Gooey Withers. She, the chubby chaser um, is being transphobic towards her. Yes. And she throws him down like the trash chute, but it's really like for the dirty towels. And then he's still running his mouth. And so she jumps down the trash trash chute after him. I thought that was funny. Um, Treat Williams. I, I didn't know who that was. Oh. I liked his screen presence enough, I guess. Yeah. He, in, the, in the movie, he's cute, and his the voice he's doing, I think, is funny. It is funny. It's a lot, but it's... Can you think of... And I, and I think his character works the best in the movie. Uh, what... Can you name a movie I would know him in? Hair. Oh. I need to rewatch Hair the, then. The Deep End of the Ocean starring Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, I also remember him in Sidney Lumet's Prince of the City. He is in a Star Wars film, I believe. Uh, yeah. The the scene where uh, Treat Williams' character gets angry at Jerry Stiller and punches him, but he misses and like punches a hole through the the door and then knocks down like a wall to two guys in the other room celebrating their birth, like one of their birthdays, which was kind of depressing. Yeah. And then, um, and then ultimately treat like kicks, but Jerry Stiller in the groin, I believe. 
I thought that was funny. But like you said, I I I think the best part is seeing like what that culture was like for gay men back then. Because the baths back in the day were really about they were about sex, let's be clear. But, oh, for sure. But yeah. but they were also about community. So, you know, initially when I saw the birthday cake, I laughed, but it was more just like this doesn't seem sanitary. But I do believe that people would socialize there and they had friends there and well, so, it was a place you could, you know, spend time and maybe wasn't, and, and drugs weren't uh, the be all end all. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting snapshot of a, of sort of a tool that gay men used to. Uh, oh, and John Ratzenberger from Cheers is one of the patrons. That's right. Yeah. That's all I have. I mean, again, as a snapshot of an era, I guess it's worth the watch, but it, it's not funny. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't uh, a, a pleasure to sit through, but I hadn't. I'd been aware of it uh, heretofore, and now I uh, now I am. But thank you to the person who recommended it. I, I I do think it's a great selection. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, but I, I I just wish it were more funny. That's all I have for the Ritz. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, not really. Well, I'm glad I'm feeling a little better, even though I sound terrible. So hopefully I'll be back in school. I'm glad you are too. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, I st- still don't know if I feel comfortable <laughs> going to a screening, but you're going to one tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What is it for? The Whitney movie. Tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, you're going to something tonight. Yeah, yeah. What is that? A Man Called Otto. A Man Called Otto? Yeah, I just mentioned it. You did? I watched the podcast? This, yeah, I watched the oh. Swedish original. Oh, with Tom Hanks. Yeah, I don't need to see that. Um, but I will I'll do everything in my power to see the Whitney movie. I want to dance with somebody, is that what it's called? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll definitely make sure I'm okay for that. <laughs> okay, good. Um and Avatar's coming up. Uh <laughs> Oh, Sigourney Weaver is on the newest episode of Smartless. Yes, and she was on Mark Marin recently, too. She's very cute. <laughs> Nick's dying. I agree. Um, if Nick dies, don't bring me food or send me flowers. Just put money in my Venmo. My Venmo is J-O-R-O-Y-O-L-O. Well, you're going to be waiting for a while. <laughs> I got, Same as my Instagram handle. I got miles to go. Miles to go before I sleep. Because I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get access to your pension and life insurance. So there's that period where I don't want to have to support myself. So, <laughs> so well, it, would, it would be nice to have a buffer. You're not having access to that for at least... I'm gonna, I got another three to four decades in me. So I don't know about you. You think? I know. I know. Okay. Interesting. Um, well, what are you going to do when I die? What if I die tomorrow? I'll be sad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I wish people could see how he looked when he said it. He's like, I'll be sad. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a bummer. Uh... <laughs> a bummer. <laughs> you're not. You're not going anywhere. Miserable people live forever. So I probably yeah. Will I'm going to live to be like 110. I will. I probably will die first, but I'm tenacious and I like having fun. Well, that's probably what's going to kill your ass. I know exactly, and you're miserable, and you'll you'll just be in a little like a little block, Svartkraba, in your little uh, corner with the cat, 
bickering at each other and screaming. Oh, when you die, this cat's out of here. If anyone would like a Sphinx cat, you can reach me. At- <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Well, <laughs> if anyone knows black magic, um, are you reading anything? <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, I'm reading uh, Kindred by Octavia E. Butler. How's that going? It's distressing. That's how oh. it's going. Well, I mean, good. anytime, you know, you know what it's about. It's basically uh, predates Antebellum, but because she published that in 79, but it's about this black woman uh, who oh, suddenly yes, is transported yes. back to her, the days of her kindred, like, i.e. 1815. It's a supernatural storyline, yeah. Supernatural, yeah. Which, you know, interesting. I've always said, you know, gay people, black people in relation to science fiction, you know, there's, there are a lot of weird, dark things that I think could be explored. Because we can't, we're not all just Michael J. Fox, uh, can't just jet around back to the future and be okay in just any old era. Uh, but it's, I'll be glad to be done with it probably because it is distressing. But, um, well, I guess that's all we have. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay, boo boo. Ta ta for now. You know what that reference is? Uh, okay, boo boo. Isn't that uh, Yogi Bear? Yeah, the uh, isn't that Warner Brothers? Oh, those are all those Warner Brothers cartoons, like H- Hanna Barbera. Hanna Barbera. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Warner, Warner Brothers. I knew it was like a B in there somewhere. Yeah, because that's like the second level. Because Disney's top, and then Hanna Barbera was like the low rent version. Hey, Bobo, that's what Knott's Berry Farm is. I think. Oh, is it? I don't. I've never been. No one's taken. You've me. never been. No one's taken me. Just like no one's taken me to Griffith Park. You know what they do at Griffith Park. That, <laughs> so I'm surprised you haven't been there before. And also, you like to go on big rants about how you don't need anyone to do take you anywhere, but now you need someone to take you to Knott's Berry Farm. No, Knott's Berry Farm, I would like to go, because I don't think the food is great, but they have like country home cooking. So I think it would be fun to go for like an early dinner. Some old Cracker Barrel shit or what? Uh, I don't think it's that varied. I mean, it's just... <laughs> And then they have like a petting zoo, like with little farm animals, I recall. And deer. Do they have deer? I don't recall there being deer. But, and then the rides, you know, I don't really like to get on rides, but uh, yeah, I would go. It's very, it's very affordable. Take me there. (laughs) Take me there. (coughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.